Hello? Hello? I, I need to speak to Oprah Winfrey. Can I please speak to philanthropist Oprah Winfrey right now? Oh, hello. Can I please speak to famous theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking? That's the author of the famous book, A Brief History of Time, Stephen Hawking. Um, yes, hello. I would like to speak to Rafiki. You know, that baboon fellow from The Lion King. Is he on the line? Why, hello there. Can I speak to Hugh, that gorgeous hunk of a man, Huge Jackman? Uh... Uh, They can't come to the phone right now, but I'm Matt. And I'm Z. And And together together we're... Acceptable Company. Hello, everybody. Hey. Hey, Matt. Hey, Z. How you doing? (laughs) Good. Good to be here. Good to see you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in once again to Acceptable Company. So, Matt, um, this week I've done a few things. Like, um... (laughs) Oh, okay. Like, um... Okay. I've ordered an Uber. You've ordered an Uber. Yeah, I've um, had 10-minute delivery services delivered to my home uh, where you literally order something and in 10 minutes it's at your door. That's very lucky. That's what you get for living in, in, in the an West. An urban in, metropolis. In a, in a, yeah, it takes me half an hour and my food's <laughs> always cold. But continue. I've read a Wikipedia page about someone and learnt all about their entire lives. I love Wikipedia. And it got me thinking about how like immediate and high speed and gizmo gadgety our world today is. Mm. And it got me thinking about the fact that in our lifetime, so much has changed. Like all those things that I mentioned didn't exist like 20 years ago. Not even 20 years ago. Yeah. But it's like every day now, like we've gotten so used to it. We've Mm -hmm. gotten so used to this thing that 10 years ago would have been like, what? Like, what? They deliver food to your house? (laughs) Exactly. It's not just that it's, an app it's a it's a foreign concept that we've it's just become essential to our lives in a mm. way you know it was it wasn't that long ago where we had to drive to get takeaway or it was pizza hut or domino's yeah they were your delivery Their options, options or yeah. like your chinese takeaway down the road yeah and even then you're like gathering cash and like random coins from around and your house coupons to try and from, pay them. <laughs> from the back of coals and woolies yeah receipts so- I guess I just want to talk a little bit about the way we were and reflect on some things that are outdated now that we don't do anymore, but that we used to do in our lifetime Mm. and share certain memories that we have of these things. Yeah, sure. So I've um, come up with a list of like things that you may have just totally forgotten about. So the first one is when you drive down the highway and you pay tolls, yeah. you're like, you know, you're getting your little e-tag scanned by the and the arch thing. It and gives you the beep and it takes your money. It takes your money. But do you remember driving through these like toll, the booths, toll booths and then there'd be a person inside the window and also this cone and you'd like have to throw coins, throw physical coins and hope that they land. You're doing like basketball shots. I... I do remember those days. Now, I never, I've never driven through a toll booth uh-huh. because I was too young. Yeah. But I do remember- Like your dad doing My it. dad doing it. Yeah. And then, I don't know about you, my dad, we just always forget the toll booth was there. So, like, once we see it on the horizon, we'd be like, oh my gosh, Scrabbing get the, the five change. <laughs> That's the thing. It was coins, right? Yeah. And cash. These days, it would just be a, an Opal card or something, you yeah. know, like this tag and it would open for you. I know you've got a list, but also that reminds me of buying train tickets, mm. having to go out with your friends and having to go to those machines or the digital machines at the station and punching in your destination. Yeah. 
I don't know if you took the train during peak hour, there'd be a line for this machine yeah. to buy your ticket. So if your train is there, you're not going to make it. You've got to plan ahead. Yeah. You've got to get here half an hour beforehand to buy your ticket. <laughs> or if you arrive at a station you don't know and you've got to find where the ticket booths are yeah. to buy your tickets. Yeah. And it was a complicated... T- there was like 200 buttons on yeah, this thing. <laughs> like one <laughs> button for every station. <laughs> exactly. Okay. What's, what, what else was on your list? Um, you play games. Oh yeah. Well, give me a one a one sentence line on how you get Play the game loaded. Uh, you turn on your TV. Yeah. You butcher the button on your wireless <laughs> controller. Yeah. Um, and you you push the. Sometimes you have a disc, but sometimes it's just digital. You've yeah. downloaded the game straight from the internet. Yeah. See. And voila. Amazing. And voila, within literally thirty seconds, <laughs> I am playing my game. Do you remember you had these floppy disks floppy, yeah. with games? Yeah. And you had to like load like. <laughs> 10 of them to get the one <laughs> game going and it would just like have this a little progress bar and it would take forever. Floppy disks were... Floppy disks awesome. is the save icon on your documents <laughs> if you don't know what and that people, icon yeah, people, is. <laughs> people don't even know what a floppy... Look, look, people barely know what a CD is these yeah. days. You don't need CDs anymore. But floppy disks... I remember having Pokemon Blue mm. on a floppy disk back in the day. I remember doing computer class in high school. <laughs> Oh, in primary school. Yeah. And you'd, you'd leave your classroom and go to a computer lab and you'd just play, like, educational games for yeah. an hour. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Did you yeah. play that one? Uh, not during school. But now kids have laptops as, like, a They're on their essential... iPad like, two years old. They know what a computer is, but they, they don't do. know how it works. They they expect it to just be instant. They don't, don't know how to... I don't know how it works. No, you'd know how to troubleshoot a computer yeah, you, problem. You turn it off and on again. <laughs> you, you can go a little bit more in depth. I don't think kids these days would know. But even things like what we used to do with computers has changed. So like the old troubleshooting was like, you know, defragging and all these things. And I was just Googling something. Mm, that's true. Just Google it. They're just designed not to, not to be shit anymore. <laughs> the next one is, um, you know, meal comes out. Love to snap a photo of it. Love to snap a selfie. But the effort to take a photo back in the day and get it developed. Even having an option to take photos. Yeah. I remember when the first mobile phones came out with cameras. Yeah. And they were abysmal. You ever tried to swap nudes with someone (laughs) that had these sort of cameras? (laughs) Real grainy potato style. Not even MSN on your phone. You had to send an MMS if yeah. you wanted to send a picture message. And it would take all your credit. Because credit was a thing. You could buy like $30 credit and each text message was $0.25. Cent. That's why we had the abbreviated speak, which we don't use anymore. to, <laughs> to abbreviate to Because you had, you had 25 characters, whatever it was. Yeah. 250 characters, I think it was. For one text message, if you went over that, it would charge you an extra 25 cents. That's a really great point. Because <laughs> some people still write K. Like K, like to say, okay, I'm like, why? That's just laziness. That's lazy. I hate it. Anyway. But back in the time, back in the days, it was essential. Mm. Back to taking photos. Yeah, go on. So, <laughs> like... You know, you don't get a good photo. You can, like, snap a few, like, just get the right one, get the lighting right. But, like, you didn't even know. You took a photo back in the day, like, with a physical camera. The, yeah, and the disposable cameras. And you didn't know if it was good or not. You just hoped for the best. Once in a lifetime moment, your child is taking their first steps or, like, <laughs> you know, your kid's 16th birthday party. And you've got party. the lens cap on. Yeah, yeah. And you could come back and realize that you 
didn't actually capture that moment. We've got a Polaroid at my place. And, you know, Polaroids are kind of like in fashion these days. But the amount of times I take the photo wrong on a Polaroid and I, I get the results within five minutes and I'm like, oh, damn, like <laughs> the exposure is wrong or I've set it to the wrong light level. Mm. That's the same thing with a disposable camera, but you didn't find out for weeks yeah. afterwards. And you had to pay for it. <laughs> you had to pay for it. Yeah? I used to go off to camps in like year four or year five with a disposable camera and I had 30... 40 photos I had to ration over the course of that camp and most of the most of the time the shit there's like a sneaky sneaky one where I'm just like click and I click the photo of my crush because it just it's just the most awkward angle and <laughs> just awful stuff like that I don't even remember the first phone I got with a camera it must have been pretty late but I remember mine it was a big deal I bet it was even though it was like potato quality it was like oh my gosh this Judy Jetson appliance. It revolutionized <laughs> <laughs> the mobile phone. It's yeah. wild times. Yeah, when did you first get your mobile phone? That was the first one in my grade. I was in year five. Whoa, I got mine in year seven. Mm, but I had to because I stayed home by myself and my parents needed to contact me. Wow. Now they just contact you on your Apple iPhone. <laughs> yeah. It's plugged into your Apple Watch and connected to your hardwired plasma screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, the next one. So I, t- I talked earlier about getting an Uber. Yeah. Do you remember when we had to call the taxi company to get a taxi? <laughs> like I if d- you want to go to the airport <laughs> and you can't track them, you just hope they're going to show up. And these taxi drivers just used to know how to get around. Mm. Saying that, do you remember like the original, I don't know, Tomboys or like actual... Uh, like Navman actual things. Actual Navman. Yeah. Before our phones could just do it all. Tom Tom is what you were thinking. What I call? Tomboy. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the Tomboys? Do you remember the all, all Gregory's? Do you remember the... The road books. Oh, the books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were good. And I remember having to plot a course, go on this thing and write down the steps to drive to a certain place. Yeah. I got onto my, I got into my first accident because I was looking at my Gregory's <laughs> and I smashed into the car in front of me at a set of lights. Bloody wild. That's I remember <laughs> um, my family going overseas and we like called the taxi company to take us to the airport. And, you know, we like going overseas, you have to be at the airport like three hours beforehand mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff. I just remember this anticipation of... Oh my gosh, like I hope this taxi shows up yeah. because we're just assuming it will. I don't I don't know how <laughs> it sounds really like really Gen Y, but I don't know how we managed <laughs> to cope without all the conveniences that we have in our life now. Yeah. We could never go back. No, we couldn't. We'd be like cavemen. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine COVID lockdowns without the internet, like in that time? <sighs> Like we'd have to, oh, we couldn't even... go outside. We'd just we'd be playing like board we'd, games. Like yeah, we'd just be watching like Wheel of Fortune. Like boggle, <laughs> we'd be playing Boggle with our family. Yeah. <laughs> It'd actually be the worst. It would really be bad. Um, last one, just generally, um, the house phone glued mm. to the wall. If you wanted to talk on the phone, to stand in that one spot, <laughs> <laughs> just like stand there talking, and then like. The event, the event of the house phone ringing. Was, yes. And it's like, someone picks it up. And it's like, what? Me? Someone wants to talk to me? I'm the chosen one. You can't just pick up a phone wherever you are at the time. You had to, If you were outside and you heard the phone ringing, you had to book it yeah. inside. And you would be eating dinner and then the phone rings and someone gets up and it's a telemarketer. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Yeah. The phone, I don't know about yours, mine was like next to the kitchen like in between the kitchen and the living room like a 
peak thoroughfare in the home for the family <laughs> to walk past. And I'd be like talking to my best friend about like, oh, who do you have a crush on? Yeah, like, I, yeah, because you couldn't go up to your room and just have no. a private conversation. Yeah. You know what I hate though? Kids these days do not know the stress of calling your crush's house <laughs> and having to talk to like their mum or their dad and ask to speak to them. How about rocking? Yeah, yes. <laughs> How about rocking up at a house to ask him on a date and have to knock on the door and actually same thing do with their mum or dad because these days you just text them. Yeah. You just go come outside. I'm up, I'm up front. Yeah. <laughs> I'm around the corner. <laughs> just say you're going for a midnight stroll. Yeah. I used to actually sneak in through the window of my first girlfriend's place. Ooh. Yeah. Very, very naughty. Yeah, it was, yeah. Man, I'm just... That's really like um, rom-com-ish. Yeah, li- literally. I, I used to park around the corner so they wouldn't see my car and just like climb through the window, spend the night and then sneak out hopefully before they wake up in the morning. And they used to wake up super early, like crack of dawn. So I don't know how I got away with the it. The things you do. Yeah. Things you do for love. In hindsight, it, it, it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> my point is all of this, this massive leap in convenience in technology has happened in our lifetime and we're not even halfway through our lives literally all these things we talked about last 10 to 15 years Mm. not even that long Mm. wild i I heard on the radio that scientists are developing tiny little microbots that clean your teeth (laughs) 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 i need one of those yeah so isn't that technology eh Mm. So something happened the other day that was a long time coming. And I think a lot of people have to plan ahead. Like it's, it's, it's a big momentous occasion and it involved my girlfriend's family and my family. Yeah. <laughs> so for ages, we've been talking about getting the families together, finally having a meet. And it finally happened. Okay. So my parents were just chilling on the coast. We were going up for um, Courtney's granddad's birthday. Courtney invited my parents along. It's nice. It is nice. So... We always kind of knew it wouldn't be an issue, right? Courtney's family and my family, my dad in particular, would get along very well with Courtney's family. So we knew it wasn't going to be a problem. But there was always the, will it actually be fine? (laughs) You never know. You never know. There's always, families always find a way to exceed your expectations (laughs) when it comes to embarrassing you and doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Become just like totally unhinged. Yeah, exactly right. Luckily enough, it all went quite smoothly. My, my parents were well-behaved. Her family was well-behaved. I was a little bit sick, so I couldn't do much interaction. But my dad got along with the pop whose birthday it was. So everything went well. They were quite happy to see each other. Both Courtney's nan and pop said my parents were very nice. Mm. nice they are nice, though. They are nice. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've always found they, them really pleasant. Yes, look, they're nice. There are particular aspects that I was a bit apprehensive about. Mm-hmm. So my dad can be a little bit old-fashioned in his belief about homosexuality. Okay. <laughs> and Classic boomer style. Classic boomer style. And Courtney's brother is gay okay. and he was there with his partner. Ah. So I was a little worried if my dad had enough alcohol in him, he potentially might... Have said something. Have said something. Did you... Uh, does he know beforehand? Like, did you give it, him the heads yeah, up? Yeah. Okay. They know. They knew pretty early on. Okay. I think the first time they met Courtney, it came up. Okay. So they've known for a while, but depending on how much my dad has drunk, whether or not he took the information in. Uh-huh. And I don't think dad ever does it to be vicious or malicious. Yeah. But, you know, boomer humor. And 
it's not always appreciated by people of today's day. Um, so I was a little worried because if something had been said and Courtney's family had taken offense, that would have been quite explosive. Mm. Luckily, didn't happen. He was well Everything behaved. went pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, Courtney's brother, came up and chatted to him. And he was really, he's, he's a lovely guy. He is he, lovely. You've, you've met him. Yeah. So, he, he spent a bit of time talking to my mum and dad and it was just very, very nice. Do you think now that your dad has had a decent conversation with him that maybe he's changing his mind? I, it's hard to say because mm. I, I don't think he, he's never like... Been against them. Yeah. He it, just makes comments. He just, he'd say he just doesn't like seeing it in front of him, you know, okay. like that sort of thing. I don't think he'd ever be like, no, that's wrong. Don't do that. But I, I, can, I can just see him saying something offensive in, in the guise of a joke. Mm. I mean, that's the worst of it. He won't go out of his way to to really put him down or be malicious about it. But mm. he can certainly put his foot where his mouth is. Mm-hmm. So it went well. It did go well. It wasn't like a. It wasn't quite as eventful as I was expecting, even in a good way. There wasn't a lot of interactivity between all the family members. Mm. But having said that, there was a lot of like uncles and cousins and things as well. My parents it probably would have been a bit overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Yeah. It wasn't really the meeting event. It was. Courtney's pop's birthday and my parents just happened to be there. Yeah, I got it. Um, and I wanted to talk about meeting in-laws, meeting in-laws. Mm. When's the right time? How to go about it? Is it sometimes never the right time? Because <laughs> mm. with my exes, I can't remember, but I, I don't think they ever met. But I knew they would not get along as well as Courtney's parents and my parents. Yeah. As you know, a lot of different... Um, cultures. Cultures and beliefs. Yes. And things. And they were... Pretty rough to me as well, being in the relationship. And obviously my parents wouldn't take well to that. Mm. So they never end up meeting. But I I mean, the first time they meet couldn't have been the wedding. So somewhere along the t- along the path, they must have found a way to meet. So mm. what do you think is, is there a rule? How do you judge this mm, sort of thing? Mm. I think it's a lot easier when you know that they're going to get along. So mm. you had an expectation that your two sides would get along. And so there's not as much of a hurdle. 100%. I was actually looking forward to it. I knew yeah. I just kind of wanted to get them together, get yeah. a few drinks in them, and I knew mm. that it was going to be a success. Yeah. Whereas um, my experience, the only time that uh, like my parents have met another set of parents, it was kind of what you were describing earlier with, you just know that it wouldn't go down well. It, like, yeah. It, it's kind of like, you know, no one's trying to be offensive, but they're just two completely different puzzle pieces trying yeah. to... Force... <laughs> Yeah. A, 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 some sort a, of a cohesion. Yeah. But you just know there's no reason. In in the real world, these <laughs> two people would never have anything to do with each other. Mm. It's a real forced, uncomfortable situation. So I'm not going to, like, go out and air any dirty laundry. But, like, you said the thing about you, they can't meet at the wedding. So There had to be an the, event. It had to be something like... Because you knew that the wedding was coming up. That's yeah. like the scenario that Is that what it forced was. this event to happen? Yeah. Was this yeah. before the wedding was announced? Mm, before the proposal? No. After. Okay. Yeah. It was real really dragged out. It was I really an, knew, it was really I, a necessity of the situation. Yeah. And dread. Real <laughs> dread. <laughs> How did that interaction go? As bad uh, as you were dreading? Uh there were like two interactions because there's like two different sets to um meet um one of them was like nice and polite it's like still not you're not gonna be like best friends or anything but like polite and the other one was like i don't know uncomfortable i guess (laughs) and your parents my parents are trying to be like this is great you know (laughs) but you just know that it's not 
everyone's just happy to say it happened. <laughs> yep. Wash be, our hands. Be polite about it. Yeah. yeah. Move on past this. Yeah. So do you think do you think that's the it's the wedding thing? It has to be before the wedding. Is it that's a bad thing if the wedding's the first time they meet? Yeah, I think that's already kind of a bad sign if you've waited that long. I mean, you're not with them because of who their family are, but Yeah, but having a good relationship with the in laws I think helps a lot. It helps. It does. Um I didn't have that. So it was a tough obstacle. Yeah. And I just think with relationships, obviously, the less obstacles, the better. Again, not that you choose somebody because of their parents, mm. but God, it sucks if that doesn't work. Luckily, it went well in this situation. Mm-hmm. My thing is, I think a good debriefing session is needed beforehand. Like, talk to your side and be like, okay, it's going to be like this. It's going to be like this. The best way to react is mm. such and such. I see where you're coming from, but my father especially can be a loose cannon if he's had a <laughs> He just, he, he doesn't follow the rules or the plan mm. and just goes off on his own mm. adventure and we have no choice but to follow along <laughs> in, his, in his in his wake yeah i think another good idea is like to have something to talk about rather than just like twiddling your thumbs and be like oh how's your day been do like a board game event something to talk about something to do together it creates a mutual Love interest. or hatred of the event. It, will, it creates a mutual interest. Something to talk about. That's not just trying to like pull stuff out of the air. It's true. Hopefully, if it all goes well, I won't need to think about it again. Meeting is done. Yep. Another one lined up? No, but not something I'm against. Okay. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, that's a good. That's a good place to be. It's time for... Leisure time. Pleasure, pleasure time. time. Okay, that's very good. I like that. <laughs> So it's a segment where we just talk about what we're watching, what we're reading, what we're doing for our leisure time yeah. over the last few weeks. Yeah. So I love watching like comedy specials on Netflix and there are a whole bunch of new ones that have just um, launched. Like stand-up shows? Yeah, like stand-up comedy, but it's like a set. So Bill Burr has one, Snoop Dogg has one, Pete Davidson has one, mm. where they're like the main person, but they get a bunch of comedians to come on one after the other. And what I've noticed, and actually Ricky Gervais has one as well, what I've noticed about all these comedy specials, what they have in common is that they are all really pushing the boundaries of political correctness. So they're being really, really politically incorrect. Um, what, Ricky Gervais and Bill Burr? <laughs> what a shock. No, but like they're really driving home the message of this is what comedy is. And I think this is in response to the whole Will Smith. Um, Slapping Chris Rock. Yeah, mm. that whole incident. Because that said to the world like, oh, you, you can't make a joke that offends someone because someone might come out from the crowd and hit you in the face, you know? And That's always been a threat of comedy though. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we have kind of. I think Being we have too kind sensitive. of. Yeah, we, yeah. Mm, you can't. You can't say things anymore. Yeah. And even us, like we censor ourselves for this podcast We're in the a lot of the time. Can- cancel culture. Yes, yes. Mm. You're in fear of what you say is going to come back to bite mm-hmm. you. So these comedians, these comedy specials, are really like just making fun of everything and everyone, and like saying that this is what comedy is and. We shouldn't be afraid to... To laugh at ourselves. Laugh at ourselves, exactly. And I've really, really enjoyed them. Uh, I just want to call out my favorite one is if you are going to watch one, um, Bill Burr has this special called Friends Who Kill. And there's this one comedian that comes on, a female comedian named Steph Tolev. And she's just... I've never seen anything like it. Really crass 
sexual humor, which I know you hate and I hate it too. But just the way that she does it is so extreme. I've I've just honestly never seen anything like it. So I highly recommend it. if you're gonna watch it, just fast forward to her. She's like a, a lady with like a curly mullet in a black leather dress. I like Bill Burr. I love in him. general. And mm-hmm. he's he's always been like a voice of reason in a way. Totally. So that's yeah, a- that's what I've been um watching. Pretty cool. So I recently went and watched the stage show Moulin Rouge. Ooh, how was it? We have um well, I was a bit disappointed. <laughs> I feel like you're always disappointed. I'm not Maybe always you're disappointed. the problem. No, I wasn't. <laughs> At least one other, even Courtney was disappointed. Okay. I tell, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. I have specific reasons. I've thought about this and talked about it at length. I don't know how familiar you are with the, the movie Moulin Rouge. Not super. Okay, so the stage show obviously adapts that version of it. And the movie itself, it's a musical. The soundtrack is made up of covers of popular songs. Mm -hmm. So in the original movie, the only original song is Come What May. Everything else is is a cover of some sort. Mm -hmm. Roxanne's in it and Elton John and they have a whole love medley and Mm a whole bunch of things, like a virgin from Madonna. So making a stage show and they had to adapt it for the stage and they had to modernize it, I suppose. I knew they were going to add filler stuff or or stuff to prolong the the, the stage show, but they did it in a way that I, I think took away from the story. So if you're not familiar with the the movie, I don't think it'll matter to you as much. If you haven't seen the movie, you probably will enjoy this because it is still a spectacle. The costume design, the stage design, the lighting, they had fireworks going off, people popping like confetti canes and things. Cool. You know, if all I wanted to see was this cast singing covers of songs, Mm. I'd have a great time. But the fact that there was a story to be told, and I think a lot of the new songs they added in did not serve the story. So... Even though the original is a is a bunch of covers, all the songs mean something. They're telling the story of what's happening to the characters. Yeah, re- relevant and related. Yeah. So there's a part of the movie where they have to... Christian's the main character, and to save them, the courtesan has to go to another person and have sex with him. The Duke, who is like the bad guy. And Christian goes mad with jealousy, and they sing Roxanne, you know, you don't have to wear that dress tonight. Mm. And it's perfect. It's a really good, really impactful song. In the Seicho, instead, they decide to get him drunk and they sing Chandelier by Sia. Uh. And while and that was their solution to it. And, and while it was a fun song and they sung it well, it had nowhere near as much impact as the movie version. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, it's a fun song and it's a popular song, but it doesn't serve the plot. Some of the songs were just lazy to me. And while I enjoyed them singing it, if it took away from the plot of the stage show, then it shouldn't be there. And to me, that... I couldn't get past any of that. And the finale in this, they changed quite a bit of the story to suit the stage show. And I understand that has to happen. But the finale was so lackluster. It was blink and you miss it. And the movie ends in this massive climactic, big ensemble piece and very dramatic and everyone's singing and blah, 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 blah. This was like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like done in a whimper. It was really, really anticlimactic. Mm. Re- like that was the biggest misstep for me. It was just mm. like they could have just copied the movie version and it would have been a great finale. But yeah. overall, as a stage show and as a theatrical piece, it was it was fun. Mm. I had a good time, but I quite like the movie. So walking away from this, I was I was pretty disappointed. Most important pressing question on everyone's mind, I'm sure, is did they sing Lady Marmalade? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. The opening number was like a big mashup of all that sort of thing. And, then, uh, and nice. they, they sang a lot of the original songs, but a lot of it they changed or cut up. Not to anyone's benefit, I think. Mm, missed the mark. I, yeah. 
something that didn't miss a mark was I saw the Elvis movie like a couple of nights ago. Mm. Mm. Really mm. loved it. So mm. my friend Annika, who you know, yeah. was an editor on it. Yes. So yeah, you told you told me that. Yeah. Um, so she told me about like different things that she did. So I was like looking out for them, which is really cool. And I don't know much about Elvis really mm. beyond like what the average person knows. Mm-hmm. It was I felt a really thorough deep dive, I guess, into his life, like his entire life. What I liked about it was it was like almost beginning to end. Mm. It wasn't just like the part where he was famous or Las Vegas Elvis. Like it, it had all of the phases of his life. Uh, it was Austin Bowler, I think, the guy that plays the Elvis. The guy that plays him, yeah. He was amazing. He was really first good. of all, and he sung. He did sing a lot of the songs, but not all of them. Mm, so I wasn't sure in the end credits because I'm, I'm always curious and I wait till the songs come up and see who was who was performed by. And a lot of the the big hits where he sings an entire song, that's Elvis. It, it, he kind of just lip syncs it. But some of the other stuff he did himself. It's it's very Baz Luhrmann because it is a Baz Luhrmann. It's funny we're talking about Moulin Rouge and now we're talking about Elvis because Baz Luhrmann did both. Right. But it wasn't as crazy as some of his other stuff. Again, I didn't know much about Elvis either apart from his kind of reputation and, you know, the people that impersonate him. And, and it's, he's, he's actually got a really tragic life. And the story was really impactful to me. Mm. I went away really feeling sad for what happened to him. Mm. I, I had no idea he had such a miserable existence. And, mm. and I think they betrayed that really well the movie is quite long it goes for like three hours almost but it doesn't feel like one of those movies where you're looking at the watch and hoping for it to end like it's well utilized the time is well utilized and i think they they captured the the mania that he created really Mm -hmm. well the energy he had what do you think about the the dynamic between his mother and yeah look that was was weird it was a little weird (laughs) (laughs) it it was a it was a little yeah it was a little weird (laughs) It's true, apparently. Like, he was very close to his mom. Because mm. I went home and I just read the Wikipedia page on uh. Elvis. Because I, I was really fascinated by what was true, what was over-dramatized, what was this. And it's a pretty faithful recreation. You know, and it's really sad that everyone that impersonates him and his reputation is he's he's fat and he's wearing those capes. and he was, caricature. Yeah, and, and it's it's sad because they're portraying him in a, in a time of his life when he was really hurting. And he was, mm. he was almost... At his, you know, the last few years of his life when he wasn't, that wasn't really what he was or yeah. who he was. Yeah. It's a really human, real, authentic look at, mm. at someone's life. It's not like a show. Yeah. It doesn't make him bigger, you know, the legend he was. It showed the person inside the, the legend. In a yeah. Way. And, it, and it's a sad, it's a really sad story. So I'm glad you brought it up because it, it, everyone should go and watch it, I think. Yeah. Agree. Highly recommend. Even if you're not a fan, because I think he deserves to be recognized. It's time for Acceptable or Not. The first one comes from Jacinta in Musselbrook. Thank you for writing in, Jacinta. Thank you. Leaving your partner because of mismatched libidos. Leaving your partner? Mm. Is that an acceptable reason or not? Uh, I can weigh in on this while you think. <laughs> I'm, okay, you, you go ahead. There's this thing I heard about, sex is like air. If you get it all the time, not a big deal. You don't really think about it. But if you don't get it, it's like the only thing that you need. So I can imagine that that would be a very important factor to many people and potentially a deal-breaking factor. I think that if you have a reason for potentially breaking up with somebody, I honestly don't think there's any wrong reason for breaking up with somebody. Mm. If it's something that you're considering ending the relationship for, then it's a viable reason. Mm. I think any reason is viable, including this one. So many things have to be compatible. Mm. 
during a relationship and mismatched libidos leads to all sorts of issues mm. some people i mean it all comes down to like love languages and things like that but some people feel connected through intimacy and mm. even some people may go elsewhere if that need isn't met i would say it's a pretty big factor for people cheating because they they're not getting it at home mm. for lack of a better word and um and i know there's no excuse but it is obviously a factor okay but if the libido is mismatched and it's a problem okay so when you say mismatch does it mean these people got together with mismatched libidos or is something causing the libidos to be different let's say it was good once upon a time and then it's deteriorated over time okay they didn't say that they didn't specify that but let's just assume because if it's mismatched from the beginning you're not going to stick around i mean it, i guess it depends on the reason so yeah what if i had a car accident Mm. and my penis was chopped off mm. and i don't feel like using my lack of penis it's kind of like but there are other things you can do right like it's not like that's the only thing yeah there's like other stuff there are other other tools to use. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is i think if it's important to the partner you want to do everything in your power to be there for them <laughs> like <laughs> as long as you don't just accept oh well you know yeah, yeah didn't at what work point out. at what point is it like why is it person with no libido's job to like at what point did this there's a person with libido say okay they're going through something why don't we meet halfway but that other person has to care they can't just be like no libido oh well you know another day no libido whatever <laughs> like <laughs> There has to be concern because you want to repair this thing. There can't be complacency. And so you're asking, oh, at what point do they meet halfway? At what point do you accept that your partner is unhappy? Well, maybe you're unhappy and that's why your libido's fading. Yeah. But are you doing anything to address it and fix it? Unhappiness? You'd think so. I imagine so. Yeah. You'd hope so. But in that situation, does the, the person leave that person? Well, that's the question here. Acceptable or not. I think if if you've done everything, you've made it clear that this is an issue and they do nothing to um, alleviate or restore that aspect, I think acceptable. Every reason to break up is acceptable in a way. Mm. And if it's something you truly need and it's not being met, then yeah, maybe it's a compatibility issue. I think it's one of like the core pillars of compatibility. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's acceptable. Agree. Next one comes from David in Springwood. Thanks for writing in, David. He, um, his kid just turned 16 and wants him to teach them how to drive. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Normal. It's one of the rights of, of parenthood. It is. <laughs> he doesn't want to teach them how to drive because he feels unsafe with them behind the wheel. Ooh. <laughs> like, which I think is also a legitimate fear. Like, someone who's never done it before and they're, like, starting and stopping and, like, yeah, don't know what they're doing. There are ways doing. to mitigate that. Okay. You take him to a car park in the middle of nowhere. It's the same as, like, you know, giving your son a hammer for the first time. Mm. Or teaching your kid how to chop firewood with an axe. Mm. Like, it's... Like, I'm not saying... Yeah, he's not obligated to teach him, sure, but... There are ways to, to mitigate the risk and everyone else does it, you know. <laughs> okay, so your solutions are go to a deserted area. Mm, yeah, like, d- d- isn't that how you learn to drive? Yeah, it is. Yeah. But you, I was pretty go, good. My dad wasn't scared of me behind the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go somewhere somewhere quiet, you know, industrial area on a weekend, just mm. something like that. And you, mm. you learn to drive like everybody else does. 
if you think your kid's a psychopath that's going to just slam on the accelerator and run into a building, then mm. there's deeper issues here than his driving ability. Mm. Also, there are there are like driving schools, but they're very expensive. Especially, they are so expensive. Especially when you have to do 150 hours or whatever it is now. Yeah. Of of driving. Yeah. If you wanna if you wanna fork out that much money to have your kid tuitions, then so be it. Mm. Oh, screw it. Get a friend to teach him. Yeah. <laughs> but there are ways to mitigate the risks, and you can teach your son to do this the same as you've taught him to do a number of other things. I remember um, someone told me when I was learning to drive that driving schools will milk you for everything you've got. So even if you're ready, they'll be like, oh, no, you're not ready. We need to do a couple more lessons, you know. And these were like 50 or $60 each lesson. It was out of control. So what I did was I just went with my dad. Then I booked my test in. And then I booked an instructor. Yeah. And I'm like, my date is this day. I need to be ready by then. And I then did he, something similar. You did, yeah. I just did the last few lessons to get like the rules the rules like the, yeah. the look three times over your shoulder or whatever it is correct um and then even then he was like oh i don't think you're ready i'm like well my test is booked i'm gonna try <laughs> yeah so, so what's, the, what's the overall question is it acceptable or not for him to not teach his son yeah to say no to teaching him because he's afraid <sighs> look i can't i can't say it's not acceptable he can he can reject his son if he really wants to. Yeah. Do you think that it's his responsibility then to pay for the driving lessons? Yeah, hundred percent, I do. Mm-hmm. You know, your son he's, he's sixteen. He doesn't have a car or a license. He can't pay for all these driving lessons. I agree with you though. Go to an abandoned, open, deserted area and at least try. At least try all the avenues. I think the rules generally are what's socially acceptable or socially unacceptable. I'm gonna I'm gonna be tough here and I'm gonna say it's not acceptable to reject your son. Teach him to drive mm. or at least try. What if they're like hooning around and they're like, Come on, Dad, let's just then floor no, it. Then that's his son's fault. Yeah. But if he's <laughs> if he's a normal, like yeah. right minded Yeah, exactly. Like like I said, if it's a kid's playing up and he wants to you know, take himself to an early grave, then mm. there's deeper issues here than his ability to drive. Mm. But I think, yeah, it's it's unacceptable to not teach him. Yeah, I'll go with that. If he's like being reasonable and he really wants to learn and he wants to do his best and he's not doing anything yeah. totally unhinged, yeah, it's part I, of being a parent. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, he's your son, your child. He he needs help getting his license and learning. Would you turn him away from anything else he wanted to know? No, it's, it's your job as a parent to educate. I agree. Well, thank you very, very much, everyone, for joining us once again. Yeah, thanks so much um, for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Have a good time. Bye.